Hey, Destiny Christian Center. My name is Michael Lowe, and I attended Destiny from 2005 to 2008, studying ministry training. And while I was there, I had two separate families who opened up their home to me, gave me a place to, to live while I was studying ministry, gave me a place to belong. And man, I just wanted to say to those families, thank you so much. I wanted to say to Destiny Christian Center, thank you so much. And I want to say to Pastor Lawrence Nisa, thanks for always believing in me. And looking back on those relationships was absolutely pivotal for my growth in early ministry training. Has changed the way I mentor, has changed the way I disciple. Seeing people who brought me into their life and just gave me a place to belong and just mentored me in, in their daily walk has changed the way that my family mentors. I'm married now, three kids, serving as youth pastor here at First Baptist Church in Silver Lake, Kansas. And again, I just wanted to say to Destiny Christian Center, thank you so much for being a part of my story. That's great. So Michael has, I don't know, maybe over the last year and a half, started reaching out and um, uh, just talking. Sometimes he's you know, speaking messages and he's sending the messages, asking us for input to it. Uh, but it's just been great developing and rekindling that rapport and relationship. I was just so excited because this past week, he actually sent me a message and said he has started Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. prayer to model after what he experienced here at Destiny. And so um, that was really meaningful uh, to me. And he is going to be here for Fuel the Fire this coming weekend. So I just, when he said he was starting morning prayer, I said, why don't you send some love to the church family? And then he sent that. It was like a great clip. So I thought, okay, that's great. Um, so we'll look forward to having him. And let me also mention regarding this weekend, how many of you will agree and pray that every digital demon will be broken and cast out of this place. The screen is not on. The bulb went out. The glitch of the people. Did you notice this was going on? There were snake eyes on the screen back here. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what in the world. Did you feel like somebody's looking at you? Um, we've got this new software. And I mean, I, sometimes we just need to not pretend it doesn't there, exist. Just admit it and, and own it. And we're going to do everything we can to work on all this. But uh, with everything coming this weekend, we're really asking the Lord for everything to come into alignment. Actually had new cameras that were supposed to be here a couple of weeks ago. And um, only Jesus knows where they are in transit. But <laughs> what we do know is it's going to be a great, great phenomenal time. And when you start having that type of upheaval, how many of you know a lot of times uh, there are no giants in the easy land. It's when you start going into a place of promise that giants start kind of emerging. So when you feel that sense of challenge, uh, it's probably indicating you're in a very good place. So let's really pray, press in, believe God. I would encourage you um, if there's any way for you to join us, particularly this Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. in the room, please come. Um, just we're going to be praying in to fuel the fire. Henry is going to be with us Monday night. He flies in from England, and um, I've already let him know, even though he's going to be on the England time schedule, he'll be lagging a little bit. He's going to be helping lead prayer on Tuesday morning. You'll love his Nigerian thunderous voice. Um, he, he could have done the Sprite commercial, if you know what I'm talking about, uh, back in the day. Like, that's only people over 40 even have a clue what I'm talking about. Crisp and clean, no caffeine. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Google it. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, Henry's amazing guy. Really, really humble and carries something in the kingdom in, in a profound and significant way. Um, so, I, 
I'm kind of struggling just with where I'm going today. Uh, so I just want to be ultra sensitive to the Lord. Uh, and this is one of those things I was really wrestling with if I would even uh, share it. But Tracy and I um, were invited to speak at Henry's Church uh, in the UK about three or four years ago. And, and you know, we've, we have connection. And Henry and I actually serve on this apostolic team in the UK with Stephen Esther Upple and so on. And when Henry asked us to come and speak in this place called Dobby, um, we agreed and we, we went. And when we showed up, we realized pulling up, <clears throat> this is actually the church. Some of you will remember the story. I believe it was like 2007. Um, I was speaking in a church in England. And in the middle of the message, I paused on that Sunday because I felt the Lord was just saying, if the church will pray bombs will not explode and so I announced that to the church we prayed and then we kind of went on that was on Sunday on Tuesday they found 17 bombs in London that did not detonate that had they'd intended to detonate I mean it was just a wild scenario um, we were still in the UK the rest of that week and all of a sudden news was everywhere um, but what I didn't realize when Henry asked us to come speak at his church that it was that same church. And the pastor who was there when we were there the first time still attends the church. And so we rekindled that and talked. I'm saying that because I felt like the Lord was saying to me, just personally, privately, something to pray into. When the church prays, bombs will not explode. Attacks of the enemy, ambushes of the enemy that have been set against this nation, that's been set against this land, that have been set against your life, that have been set against your children, they'll be thwarted in Jesus' mighty name. So it's pretty important that we be men and women of prayer. Would you agree? And I just felt it was significant that Henry... Is coming here from there with what we've sown into that church. And I believe he's carrying what's been sown there back to us for whatever reason. So uh, how many of you will agree our sons and daughters who are wayward are coming home in Jesus' mighty name. The attacks of the enemy are being defeated in Jesus' mighty name. Sometimes we've just got to speak out what the Lord's revealing. And so uh, Tuesday morning at 6, we'll just be praying into the weekend, particularly just with letting Henry lead us however he feels so led to do so. Uh, but I encourage you, let's really devote ourselves sacrificially to the weekend ahead. Uh, Friday, we'll be fasting in prayer from 9 to 2 right here in the room. If you're able to restructure your schedule and join us for that, uh, please do. It's just a time of prayer and just pressing in and uh, hours of coming together for that. And then Friday night, 7 p.m. will be our start, you know, rally service. And then Saturday from 9 to, you know, 1.30 or so, whatever that's going to be. It's a ladies' lunch and it concludes. And, 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 and none, you know, you understand we're not asking registration on this or, you know, I'm sorry, we are asking you to register. We're not asking for you to pay to come to the event uh, that sort of thing. We're, we have more than 100 women that have now um, registered for the lunch on Saturday, and we're not asking them to 
pay of pre, you know, to get in. So we're just asking the Lord just to allow people to give generously. And how many of you know we all ought to be walking in this measure of faith? And so that's just kind of what's in my heart for this, that we don't charge, but we just invite. So I would encourage you, number one, would you just be faithful with your giving? Bring your tithe and your offering before the Lord. Somebody may have it in their heart just to underwrite the entire luncheon for Saturday. Just pay attention to the Lord in all of this. But what's happening is we're creating these opportunities for people to come and really be poured into. And we've got people now coming from a lot of different places that are going to be showing up here um, with their hearts full of expectation of God's kingdom advancing in the earth right through the port of entry of destiny in Oklahoma City. I mean, do you understand what a privilege that is for us as a church family? I've been in touch personally now with 30 pastors who are coming. So you've got to understand, um, this is not just a little gathering. I mentioned last week, one of the pastors, he leads a church an hour away, said that it impacted the spiritual DNA of his team so much that he's announced to his entire congregation that anybody in any level of leadership with him is required to come to fuel the fire at Destiny. Um, you might know Jimmy uh, Evans and their you know, ministry, TFAC organization, the regional group of pastors in this area, their, their March meeting is actually, they're told, come to this event. So it's just kind of crazy what's happening with all of that. Um, but I just know the Lord really wants to stir something. I'm not trying to give you an announcement. I really am wanting to challenge you to believe. Uh, how many of you know there's some pretty crazy stuff going on in, in the world right now in the, in the realm of revival? And what took place in Kentucky, uh, there have been multiple movements that were born after something crazy was unlocked in Asbury. I don't know if you realize it, but it's tied to a number of different movements. Uh, and then this last week, Chuck Pierce, if you know who he is, uh, shared a prophecy about the fire of God being lit in the state of Oklahoma, that God is awakening, he said this specifically, the new wineskin church to have new wine poured into it, that that wine then will be poured to the nations of the world. I'm believing God for the state of Oklahoma and for the nations of the world. So I just found it interesting that, you know, in that moment of um, preparation for fuel the fire, suddenly this prophecy comes out about the state. So how many of you believe? And let's don't just believe from a distance. Let's engage. So, Lord, we are just coming together as a family. And um, we're, well, we just pray for all of those that will be traveling here from uh, from the UK, from New York, from New Mexico, from Texas, all around Oklahoma. We ask your blessing, Lord, upon them, the travel mercies as they come. But Lord, more than anything, we're just asking that every single one of us would encounter you in a fresh and wonderful way, that it would be so transforming to our spiritual DNA that we would look back and say, something pivotal happened in that moment that's changing the way we walk. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to uh, just share something with you today that uh, I, I've wrestled with the Lord on it. I, I tend to think it's probably not going to go all that great, just from my own vantage point of looking at what I'm supposed to do. Uh, but here's what I know. The, when we gather like this, um, there's a message 
that you prepare, but there's a revelation God wants to reveal. If we're not careful, we get so focused on preparing a message that we don't pay a bit of attention to the revelation that God wants to bring in the midst of our gathering. Uh, and so I just felt the Lord was just saying, trust me to impart my revelation. Uh, so I'm going to do that. Uh, I, I'm going to, if, if you get online, you can get our notes online and you can see that today I'm focusing on just three words, simply slow down. I know that's painful. We've already been through this process. Last week I asked how many of you are convicted about your busy schedule and almost 100% of people in the room raised their hand. Um, and so we just want to kind of take a look at that. I want to start, it by, start this by just sharing this stand, from this standpoint. If your life is represented by $1, you know that you can spread $1 so thin that you're spending it 100 different ways, only offering a penny in every place you are investing. And somewhere, someplace, we have to step back from spreading our lives so thin that every investment is, uh, is just minimal. You know, there are some, if your life is divided in a dollar, there are some things in your world that need more than a penny, some things need more than a nickel, some things need more than a dime. Some things need like a quarter. But if you give a quarter of the dollar to one thing, it's because that's like sacred value. That, there's something there that it means more. I'm giving more of an investment. I can't give my wife the same thing I give my hobby or, you know, whatever that is in my... She's got to know that I invest more in her. And the Lord... Even more so. I mean, we need to find these sacred spaces. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you've joined us online. I just want to grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord. And I know that gathering is a part of God's plan for us to grow deeper in our relationship with Him. Not casual gathering, sacrificial gathering. And I want to try and explore and understand the sacrificial nature of Christ as I'm trying to grow deeper in the Lord and divide my life accordingly. Uh, and, and so think about it. The value of your life is determined by how it is divided. So how are you dividing your life? Are you uh, just, you know, stretched to the nth degree in every direction? And this is, this is what we've been talking about, this whole enemy of hurry. And hurry is absolutely an enemy to love. And God's just doing a deep work in all of us to help us learn to slow down. I'm, gonna t I'm just going to go ahead and say this. This is, uh, will come up on the screen later. They might do it now. But I, I want you to hear this twice today. I, I alluded to it last week, but this is so important. Your kids are watching you. Your kids are not only watching you, they're experiencing the atmosphere of your home. And the atmosphere uh, always unlocks seed. You understand a seed doesn't get unlocked unless it gets in a certain atmosphere. And in a certain atmosphere, the atmosphere, unlocks, it's the soil enriched and watered that actually unlocks the seed. So the question is, what atmosphere of our home uh, exists? What is it unlocking in the seeds of our heart? Are our children stressed out? Are we having anxiety disorders in the world in which we live because we've created these stressed out atmospheres that our children grow up in? And we're just trying to make ends meet and try and make it work. And, and here's the statement. If we have exposed our children to the observation of hurry more than the revelation of Sabbath, we will give an account to God for what we've instilled within them. I, I know um, 
Again, this week, I had somebody tell me just they've been deeply convicted about how busy life has been and how stressed out they were about making it work. And, and, and let's just pause for a moment and think about this. Are you trusting in God or are you putting confidence in yourself? And if you're stressed out, worried, trying to do everything you can to make it all work, and maybe you're trusting in yourself more than you're trusting in God. And you might need to restructure your life so that you're not messing up your kids. <laughs> and then, by the way, the definition, in my opinion, of successful parenting is mess up your children less than your parents messed you up. Just get better every generation. We're going to mess them up. We're fallen humans. <laughs> But mess them up less. <laughs> Can you mess up your kids less by, you know, changing your schedule? And, and this week, I, somebody just shared with me again, you know, I was stressed out, anxiety out the roof, and, and working all these hours, and the Lord began to convict me, and I just chose. They weren't tithing. This family wasn't tithing, and they just said, we're going to trust God. They began to tithe they work less hours. Somehow they're making more money and they're living more at rest. Maybe this relationship with God we have is actually called living by faith because you're supposed to actually live by faith. A lot of people have a faith. Not everybody live by faith. A lot of people have a faith. Not everybody lives by faith. So I would encourage you to explore what it means to simply slow down and ask the Lord. To help us. So here, here's what I felt the Lord was asking me to do. <clears throat> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at the most commonly quoted verse, arguably the most commonly quoted verse ever. What, what comes to mind when I say that? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I said it really fast on purpose because it's probably the most rapidly quoted verse also. And what we want to do is try to slow this down in demonstration of maybe the value of what happens when you slow down. How many know if you drive through a park quickly, you can enjoy the park to some degree. But if you get out of the car and you walk, it's an entirely different experience. If you read through your Bible quickly versus if you take some time and let the author of the book have some space and some room when you're reading the scripture. You might find that it brings something completely different. John chapter 3, verse 16. I'll, I'll look at this with the ESV with you. For God so loved the world. Let, let's all say this together out loud, would you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So let's look at this verse. It's interesting. What does it say first? For God. It begins with God. Luther spoke of John 3.16 as the verse that was the summary of the gospel. The verse that is the summary of the gospel. Like the miniature gospel is found in John 3.16. And where does it begin? With God. For God. In the beginning, God. <laughs> and so we see that here. For God. It starts with him. I know we've all been taught 
particularly in a consumer-minded religious church world, that we are the center of the universe and God's best plan is for you to have an awesome temporal life. And if you want to have an awesome temporal life, then you got to get back here and we're going to talk about the five ways to have an awesome temporal life. And we're trying to attract everybody in and we promised them the mountains and the hills and the gold and everything they can possibly have to have an awesome temporal life because that's God's greatest concern. I just want you to understand, he is an eternal God. (laughs) Like eternity matters more and should matter more to all of us than getting the best possible temporal experience we can have in this world. It all begins with him, not with us. When we put the best possible temporal life we can have at the center of the gospel, we've missed the mark right off the bat. For God. For God. It starts with him. For God so loved it starts with God and then what we have to understand is he loves us he is loving how many of you know we can have some experiences that can cause us to question God's love I just I need you to to understand this and I'm just going to tell you from a personal standpoint I struggled with why I had to go through an eye surgery I don't Last week when I was standing here speaking, it was just a short time after the surgery. I'd just been, hadn't actually been released to do anything. I wasn't supposed to lift more than 10 pounds. About halfway through the message, I started feeling this tension in my eye. And I looked down. I almost reached down to Pastor AT and said, hey, would you come finish the message? (laughs) I mean, I was was feeling that. And and I came down and was almost in a state of tears because I was just like, had stitches in the eyeball. Did the stitches break? I mean, I didn't know what was going on. And just like I've had some real frustration with why did I even have to go through that anybody have any frustration with God before of something you had to walk through I actually called my spiritual father Dale Gentry and I said I'm not exactly happy with the Lord right now and I need somebody just to kind of speak it I mean you know you got to be honest every once in a while and and I don't understand why God didn't just zap heal you know boom smack Uh, I don't know why that didn't happen but it didn't and what I do realize is sometimes there's faith and sometimes there's trust and we live in a fallen world but we serve a risen king and even though we face fallen circumstances God is still good I don't know why we walk through what we walk through but Adam and Eve sinned and many times God does not get his way in the world in which we live it is not God's will that any should perish but many do he doesn't get his way a lot of times in a fallen world so don't get angry at him for things you don't understand God is love he's love And I will just give you a quick report back. They, my, my vision had drifted so poorly. Um, it was 20, it was like I had perfect vision before. It drifted to 2050, maybe 2050 plus at that point. And their best hope was that I would be 2030. Uh, and it would take at least 30 days. And within just a week and a half, I wasn't 2030. I was 2025. <laughs> and so I just appreciate your prayers. Um, and... And again, why did we have to walk through the stages and process? I don't know, but I'm just going to keep trusting God. I'm going to keep putting my hand in his, and I'm going to be honest when I'm feeling a little frustrated, and I'm not going to allow my circumstances to dictate my theology because I live in a fallen world. His word is true, and he is not only loving, God is love. So if you've misunderstood in some way and you think he doesn't love you, you're wrong. He loves you so much. How many of you know in any relationship, the first person to say I love you is the person taking the greatest risk? Has it happened to anybody in here? 
You got out there on a limb and you said it. I love you. And their response was something like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) You're taking a risk when you step out. God didn't love you back. God loved you first. Like Jesus went all out and put it out there. He loves you. And you can reject him if you want. But God loves you so much. He went all out right up front. He didn't love you back. He loved you first. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. If there's one thing that should characterize Christians and Christianity, it really should be love. But for some reason, when the world is asked to describe Christianity, it's commonly involving the absence of love and kindness. Think about what I'm saying. How many of you understand we all have issues going on in our lives? Like, your issue might not be another person's issue. I, I prayer walk. And I prayer walk in, in our neighborhood, and it was too cold to prayer walk the other day. So I went to Walmart. <laughs> Changed my life. <clears throat> Walmart wasn't, it was a little too congested, so I shifted over to Sam's. I'm not kidding. I walked two miles in Sam's. I mean, I'm walking aisles. I'm, I, I, I read scripture when I'm walking and praying. And, and I'd been there, I don't know, probably 30 minutes or so. And workers started realizing somebody's walking through. And, um, and I met these two guys, two workers. And I think they were tailing me now. And they were trying to watch and see what I was up to. And I thought, man, this is not working out very well, Lord. If you could just warm it up outside, I'll go back out there and, and you know, just do the street. But, but and I, I, while walking through there, I got to tell you, oftentimes I looked around at people and I was just thinking, golly, man, people are dealing with so much, watching how they treated their kids, watching how they were, you know, at each other. And I mean, I just, oh, that, that really gets me when I start seeing kind of the fallen nature of humanity to that degree. And I'm just like, Lord, we really need you. And this is what I've learn though we might look at other people that have all kinds of issues we Christians we have our issues and if we're not careful we lose sight of the reality that we Christians really get mad when people sin in ways other than we do for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He's not only loving, he's generous. And if you've come to any conclusion that God's not generous, then you've misunderstood. He not only wants you to experience his generosity, he wants you to explore his generosity, and he wants you to express his generosity. Again, I just come back and say, if, if you have if you're not walking in a place of faith in terms of your giving, you need to step into that and see what the Lord wants you to know by living generously in the realm of tithes and offerings and overall expression of generosity of your life. God is this generous God, and he wants to awaken that within all of our hearts. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him, 
you understand what I'm doing here? We're taking this verse and we're walking very slowly through it. Whoever believes in him. This is not a general belief in a deity above. It's pretty important that we understand what I'm about to say. But this is a specific devotion to the revelation of Christ the only way to keep humanity from suffering eternal separation from God. I know this is not popular in the day in which we live. It's just biblical. There's heaven and there's hell. There's Jesus who is the only way to take us into an eternal connection with God the Father Almighty. How many of you know this is truth? I know it, it, like, it starts to wake up the, the spirit of the age that some people in the room maybe have started to kind of drift into the embrace, but, but shake yourself free from any nonsense that had ever challenged the Scripture. It's very important that we understand the depth of this very important issue. For God so loved the world that he gave his Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I want to encourage you not to misunderstand eternal life. It doesn't begin the day you die. It begins the day you believe. This is going better than I thought it would. Just not my typical. But I just felt the Lord was saying he just wanted to demonstrate the slower walk through the park sometimes brings a greater revelation for us to embrace. Eternal life doesn't begin the day you die. Eternal life begins the day you believe. Eternal life is life with God now and forever. You might want to just write that down and reflect on that this week. Eternal life is like life with God now and forever. It's a beautiful reality of what it means to allow him to begin to shape the internal paradigm that exists within us. And he wants to have control of what all that looks like. So just simply slow down. How many of you think there are some things in life that you might value and appreciate more if you will simply slow down? The Bible yields its fruit to the unhurried mind. I made a statement not too long ago. Uh, Never in the history of our church have we had more people reading the Bible than we have right now. The whole turn the page concept has been a real practical thing. There are churches in England and in the U.S. that actually do that now as their primary discipleship tool. It's been really great that we've been able to embrace that ourselves and impart that then into other congregational families. And it's a beautiful thing. And a lot of people in our church have read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I remember, uh, don't want to embarrass Connie Hogue, but, uh, but she said to me she'd been in church for so many years and hadn't actually read her Bible all the way through until she started walking through this turn the page structure. And I just want you to know it is God's plan for you to be men and women of the word. And and when I said that statement, man, never in the history of the church have we had more people reading their Bible. It was a beautiful thing. But be very careful because we're, number one, not wanting to get proud of that. And number two, we don't want to just read text. We want to sit with the author. Simply slow down and let the Lord minister to you what it is he's desiring to reveal. I want to give you uh, one more text 
today, Psalms 27, 13, and 14. And I just love this. Again, um, that was a Chuck Swindoll quote a moment ago. The Bible yields its fruit to the unhurried mind. Just such a great uh, revelation. And Psalms 27, 13 to 14 says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And you know, it's easy to look upon other things in the land of the living. But he said, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Listen carefully, verse 14. Wait for the Lord. And then we see two things actually come from waiting for the Lord. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. If you need strength and you need courage, then I encourage you, wait for the Lord. I love it. This verse 14, I'll read the whole thing. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Uh, this last uh, Tuesday, uh, just in prayer, it was really... Uh, Amazing just what the Lord was stirring in preparation for what the Lord was uh, taking us into in all of what he's desiring. But as we're walking out his plans and we're listening to the Lord, he's so often uh, ministering to us and, and reiterating what he's revealing. And quite honestly, we were just, the, there's an open mic on Tuesday morning and, and Roy uh, came up and he just began to speak to us. And he said, pastor's been talking about slowing down. He said, I started realizing be slow to speak. And when he said that, I was just thinking, wow, that's really good. And then he gave another be slow. What was it? Be, be slow to anger. And uh, that was good. So I'm, I'm, now I'm like, I've got a word from the Lord. The Lord spoke to me, by the way. Be slow to speak, be slow to anger. Through, through Roy, God used Roy. And so I was just listening to that. But then it, what really hit me was then he said, be slow to speak, be slow to anger, be still. Oh. And that just hit me. Be slow, be slow, be still. I, I want to say, don't just do something, stand there. This flies in the face of the world system. Maybe we've had it all wrong. Maybe the pursuit of more has caused us to settle for less. So your life is a dollar. <laughs> How are you investing your life? I'm going to ask that the worship team will come. And I just want you to just stay in a moment of let's allow the Lord <laughs> to do a deep work. Last week I felt like the Lord was saying to me, and, and again, we're just trying to figure all this out. No, no judgment or you know, criticism elsewhere. But I just felt the Lord was saying the church has been so full of convincing leaders, it's lost sight of a convicting God. And what I don't want to do is try and convince you, you know, in a certain direction. I simply want you to be sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. There's not one thing I want everybody to do. That would be a convincing leader trying to establish a movement. But, but what I ask is, what is the one thing the Holy Spirit is asking each of us to do in the course maybe of this next week. The life you live is the legacy you leave. And our children are watching us. 
They're paying attention. We had the, girl, the girls in the back seat, uh, like in their booster seats. And I'm driving. And uh, a lady happened to be a woman driver. She didn't do anything wrong. She just wanted over. And, and I saw her. And again, kids in booster seats. And all I did, I let off my accelerator just slightly and did this. I just raised a finger. Because I, I saw that she was looking. And I just let off the accelerator and raised a finger. Children in booster seats in the back seat. <laughs> and Faith, the lady goes over in front of me. And Faith said these words. Daddy. Why were you nice to that lady? As if I'm not nice to everybody on the road all the time. <laughs> they're watching. I will tell you, there was another instance. Children in the booster seat. Somebody kind of came over and, and out of the back seat, I hear out of the mouth of one of my children, stupid people. <laughs> One of her parents apparently says this. <laughs> when she's driving. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> I'm gonna need it this afternoon. They're watching. They're listening. If we expose our children to the observation of hurry more than the revelation of Sabbath, we are going to give an account to God for what we've instilled in their hearts. Maybe much of the anxiety that our children are dealing with has more to do with us then we realize. I plead with you, simply slow down this week as you focus on loving others well. Purpose <clears throat> to devote yourself to things that have eternal value. If you're able to come for uh, just a day of fasting and praying, it was the first experience I had with Steve, actually, in the UK, where there's just a small group of us, eight of us, and we sat in a room from like nine to five, fasting and praying, just eight of us in a room. Let me just tell you how awkward feeling that is when you first start eight people looking at each other, realizing we're going to be nine to five sitting here just praying. And about a, uh, an hour in, there was no awkward, only fire, only presence. There's something powerful. We see it in the upper room. We read about it in Scripture. We're so disconnected from it because we've been given to what maybe more of a cultural ideology than a biblical reality. But God is taking the church and awakening something within our hearts. We have to understand, though, this cultural ideology shows up in a lot of ways like hurry <clears throat> so come on just you just be with the Lord for a moment just let him do a deep work let him 
shine the light of his word on anything he's wanting to expose, address, or deal with within you. I'm just going to give you a moment, just you listening to what the Holy Spirit might be revealing. I spent some time praying this particular verse over you <clears throat> yesterday, over me, over you, over our time together. So I just want to declare, it's kind of the John 3.16 of Ephesians. It's Ephesians 3.16. Maybe that'll help you remember it this, this week. You can reflect on this verse, Ephesians 3.16. That out of his, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Come on, would you stand? We just stand to our feet as we stand, allowing this reality to wash over us. Lord, we recognize that our outer being and our inner being are at odds with each other and many times we're not even aware that our inner being has a voice because we're so given to our outer being we we're so given to our outer being that outer being that when we start hearing revelation about sabbath we reject it and we resist it because it doesn't make sense but i pray father you would go deep within us today and do a work lord that would allow uh, you to have your convicting work deep within us transforming our lives to become more who you've called us to be i pray that out of his glorious riches he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being I say to you sons and daughters of God be strong in the Lord and the power of his might be strengthened by God as your way of life out of his glorious riches he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being in Jesus mighty name I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come, and uh, they'll be available on both sides. We've pulled that curtain back a little bit there, and uh, as we're just 
press into a little deeper place. Maybe you're here today and you need to make a decision for the Lord your God. <laughs> like You might not be walking with Jesus. This would be a great day for you to initiate and say, I'm ready to take that step, move forward in my relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're walking with the Lord and you just want uh, the prayer of agreement as you navigate through what maybe uh, some of the challenges that the Lord's stirring in your heart. But come on, just in this moment, would you just close your eyes for a moment? If you're here and you say, uh, I need prayer for one of these things in my life, just lift both your hands. I just want to, first, I want to pray for you in this moment. Father, thank you for these hands lifted. Thank you, Lord, that you're doing a work in our heart. Thank you, Lord, we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. You are Lord. You came, you lived, you died, you died on a cross, you're risen from the grave. You are Savior of the world. When we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, we are saved. We then begin to understand what it is to explore the Lordship of Christ for the rest of our lives. Come on, if you're in agreement with that, would you say real loud, Amen. <laughs> we set our faith in agreement. Have your way, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, we're going to take just a few moments and just bring back to the Lord in a space of worship that which he's stirring in our hearts. Our prayer teams are available. If you lifted your hands or if you didn't and you would like us to pray with you, then if you would, just make your way forward just in these few moments that we have as we worship.